business needs to own cybersecurity. The, the, Dave, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Say that again. Biz- business owns cybersecurity. Okay, but that, you know what? When I talk to a lot of companies, they think IT should be taking care of it. So what you're telling me, no, no. it's the business. It so, is the business. So here's my question for you, okay? A lot of these big consulting firms are making a lot of money doing these in-depth cybersecurity audits and uh, talk about that a little bit and tell me, you know, if I'm a big company, do I need to do that? What, what should I do? Well, there are some components of these cybersecurity audits that you really need to do. For example, if you have applications that are going to be moving money around, uh, there are companies out there that can very quickly and inexpensively scan your code, test the interactions, and make sure that there's no way or there's relatively few ways for information to leak out of that particular transaction. Good afternoon and welcome to our second in a series of podcasts under our Jargon podcast. And today with me, this is Bill Imany here. Today with me I have Peter Purcell. Managing Director of Trinity. Welcome, Peter. Thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate it. This this hopefully will be a very interesting topic for us to cover today. Well, it will be interesting because I've heard a lot of grumblings about some of the things you've come out and said um, amongst the uh, folks in the cybersecurity world, and you're going to tell us and demystify and debunk some of the things we're hearing about cybersecurity and how companies and individuals can be protected and stay safe in this world of hackers. Well, thank you very much, Bill. I mean, in sum, for our listeners, uh, the thing that I've said that has seems to have turned the <coughs> IT cybersecurity consulting world on its side is that this cybersecurity isn't about technology, it's about people. Okay, so, Peter, you say it's not about technology, but everywhere we're hearing it, it's technology. They're breaking into our computers. Um, you know, help me out here. Well, let me ask you something. If you leave your house and you leave your door unlocked and a burglar walks in and steals you blind, is it your house's fault? Is it your door lock's fault? Okay, good point. Or is it your fault? Okay, uh, good point. You know what? I never thought about it that way because you always think something's wrong with a computer that made that, uh, you know, virus go rampant, right? Well, it could be, but usually it's, uh, it's always about people. The virus has to start somewhere. And the thing that we've learned over the last few years is that there really is no regulatory body out there that's going to tell you exactly what to do to to solve your cybersecurity problems. And so what that means is you're on your own. You are truly on your own in dealing with this. Okay, that's scary. You're telling me I'm on my own. You are. Okay, so uh, help me out here. Okay, well, let's tell you first of what we know. Okay. okay, so this, yeah, this, yeah. this is easy, right? Board members are very interested because right now rules and regulations and laws have actually been passed that say that board members can be personally liable for breaches. I would not want to be a board member right now on the Equifax board. 
What's really reflective of that is the DNO insurance and the DNO insurance rates. Okay, stop for a second. DNO sure. insurance. I'm sorry. Director and op- director and officer insurance. Got it. That is the insurance that you pay for your board members to help protect them in case something goes wrong with the company when people try to sue the company, whether shareholders or affected parties. So DNO insurance is a great bellwether to say, first of all, is it including cybersecurity clauses? And if it does, what's the new price? And all cybersecurity clauses are increasing that insurance tremendously. So what that means are board members are interested. So you can't... Ex- so basically what you're saying, as a, if you're a corporate board member, you are um, acting on behalf of the company for the stockholders. You're elected by the stockholders, and it's incumbent upon you to make sure your company is protected from a lot of risks, including cybersecurity. Absolutely. And by the way, you, you bring up a good point, which we'll get to later. Cybersecurity is a risk that needs to be managed no different than any other risk. And I know that sounds a little bit like mom and apple pie, but we'll get to that. The second thing that we know, you know, in terms of you're on your own, is cyber attacks come in many, many forms. I won't even list them off because when I start talking about the different types of cyber attacks from man in the middle to, uh, you know, uh, DDoS to you name it, your, your eyes will roll up in the back of your head. But the bottom line is cyber attacks come in many form. Uh, cyber crime is going to run probably close to a trillion dollars or more in 2017. Okay, say that again. A trillion dollars? A trillion dollars. Cyber crime companies. will cost the co- companies a trillion dollars in 2017. And then the last part is, back to sounding like a broken record, there are no clear guidelines from any regulatory body about what to do about cybersecurity in your company. Well, you know, that's interesting because, frankly, there's not guidelines what to do about locking your house either, right? It's the same thing. How do you tell people to lock their house? Lock your door. There's a lot of different locks you can put on there, right? So that's what you're getting at. There's running. So really... I'm in one corner, right? It's almost like I'm in one corner here by myself in a boxing ring, I can imagine, and then there's cybersecurity, in, or the hackers are in the other corner coming after me, right. and I need to have my guard up. That is absolutely right. And it's funny you use that analogy because back in 2006, a satirical comic artist did a root cause cartoon on cyber breaches. And what it was is it was a boxing ring, like a MMA-like boxing ring. And yep. in one corner you have, you know, all this R2-D2 technical stuff of firewalls and antivirus software and the, and the like. And then in the other, you see this picture. And this was 2006, by the way. And in the other picture, you see this dumpy guy named Dave. And in, on this corner, you have Dave. And Dave's wearing a T-shirt that says, user error. I hate to say it, 11 years later... We Dave still have the problem. Is still the problem. Dave has not changed. Okay. So, Peter, here's my question for you is, um, and by the way, we have Peter Purcell, Managing Director of Trinity here, talking about cybersecurity. What, what do we do about it? I mean, you're, you're, okay, you've convinced me it's a problem, okay. and, and, I, and I've got to deal with it. What do I do? Okay. So, first of all, there's, there's two things that, that you need to do. 
at a macro level, and we'll dive into those just a little bit. But at a macro level, there's some things that you need to do as a company. Because I know you own, you own a very vibrant consulting company, I understand. Um, so you need to do something at a company level. And then to address the individual, you have to do something at the individual level. So we can talk through those if you would like. Yeah, I think so, because it, what, what I'm hearing you say is training, right? Training your people and educating them. That's what it sounds like to me what you're getting at. Yes, it is. But as with all training and education programs, they need to be effective. It's nice to say that I'm going to go off and train my people. But how are you going to train Dave so that he doesn't click on that cat video? Because that's really the challenge, right? Is Dave, Dave, you can go and spend hours talking to Dave and Dave's still going to come back and click on cat videos. So let's step back for a second. At a company level, what do you do? First of all, what you need to do is you just need to realize that hackers come in a variety of, of, of sizes and shapes and forms. Everybody from, you know, the high school kid, you know, who's just bored skipping school all the way through to countries, Russia, China, North Korea. They're all trying to hack in. So that's one of the first things that you do. The second thing at a corporate level is that within your IT governance model, IT and business should be working together because IT really works for business. Uh, there's no reason for IT if you don't have business. And by the way, us IT guys forget that. Is As part of your governance model, the bottom line is, is that IT's got to do some very, very simple um, kind of um, table stakes type stuff. You know, give me secure servers, make sure that my Windows is updated, make sure I have antivirus, and just make sure that when I do get new hardware, I change the default password from admin, admin. Do you okay, hear so, me, Equifax? Okay, so... Yeah, good point. So we get, we buy, even at home, you buy a new printer, you buy a laptop, it comes, or anything, comes with a default password. Even our home security devices you buy, it comes with that admin123456 password or whatever it might be. You got to change, that's basic stuff. You got to change it, but you know what? You don't think about that. I've got to, I need to get rid of that one, right? That is absolutely true. And it's funny you mentioned printer. And why do I pick on a printer? That is the most innocuous device that you can connect to your network. Okay? Do you realize that at my business, we have wireless printers? Okay? We don't have copper in the world. Well, I think most companies do okay. now, right? So we got these HP printers. They're great printers. I set them up, and I'm a cybersecurity expert. I really am. Okay? I'm passionate. I believe you. I'm passionate, and, and I drive everybody nuts. I forgot to turn off a feature on our printer which allows random iPhones to connect to the printer. We walked out about an hour after I set up the printer and our next door neighbor had printed 500 pages of a quote for a project that they wanted to bid on. Okay, okay so you wasted a bunch of paper and ink. <laughs> yeah, but it's probably a whole ink cartridge, right? But the interesting thing is, what do you do with wireless printers? It had the ability to take over that wireless printer, scan a document, and send that document to a particular PC. If that file was infected, that PC would have been infected. But that's a user problem. That's not a hardware problem. That's a feature that if you want to use, you should use. But that, to me, was an end-user issue. So yeah. IT has to address those types of things. Well, you're talking about basic stuff, though. An IT uh, person should know, change the passwords, 
on all your devices exactly. from the default ones and make sure you have a secure environment. And I would imagine too, is also keeping software up to date. It seems like I hear about uh, viruses happening. It's usually on old, uh, unupdated software. Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, what's interesting is, is it is old, updated, unupdated software. But most recently, this WannaCry uh, ransomware that came out infected a lot of very new, uh, more up-to-date PCs. But the irony is that Microsoft had had Windows Update out for over eight months that would have addressed it, would have prevented the, the, the uh, infection had IT departments and end users kept their Windows PCs up to date, free updates, by the way, they wouldn't have been infected. So mm. that, that's a okay. little bit of a shocker. But that's what wow. I mean is, you know, as part of IT governance is, is your IT department just needs to do some basic things. Then the real thing, and this is what has, seems to have created a stir. People that I talk to give a lot of lip service to this, but they really don't understand is part of your IT governance is business needs to own cybersecurity. The, the, Dave, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Say that again. Business owns cybersecurity. Okay, but that, you know what? When I talk to a lot of companies, they think IT should be taking care of it. So what you're telling me, no. No. It's the business. It is so, the business. So here's my question for you, okay? A lot of these big consulting firms are making a lot of money doing these in-depth cyber security audits. And uh, talk about that a little bit and tell me, you know, if I'm a big company, do I need to do that? What, what should I do? Well, there are some components of these cybersecurity audits that you really need to do. For example... If you have applications that are going to be moving money around, uh, there are companies out there that can very quickly and inexpensively scan your code, test the interactions, and make sure that there's no way or there's relatively few ways for information to leak out of that particular transaction. Okay? So these larger audits, when all they do is focus on the technology and they go around and make sure that, um, you know, you have a, you know, 15 character password, um, you know, you've locked down your PC and you have three different antivirus software and anti-malware loaded on your PC. And then they try to do white hat hacking where they try to break into your systems um, I scratch my head a little bit on the value of that because, again, if IT would have just done their basic job, there's no need of that. The part that some companies do, they barely scratch the surface of are end users proper using the technology properly? Are they using these tools right? And what I mean is are they not clicking on links or are they clicking on links? What do you do when you send them an email from the CEO? It looks like it comes from the CEO asking to transfer $50,000. Do you just blindly do it? And that's where it's, to me, it seems like a waste of money. That's a control issue. That's a process issue. That's a business issue. That's not a technology issue. Okay, so if I'm a company and largely the, the software I use to move money around, which I think you're talking about like a ERP system. Correct. Okay. And it's in the cloud. Correct. Um, would, well, I, I would sus imagine that I'd want the company the, that's hosting it in the cloud to do these audits, not me. What? Well, it's interesting that you mention that because most of the time, 
when you do these large audits, it's typically because you haven't migrated to the cloud yet. Okay, and this so is if you have in-house software. The cloud. If you have in-house software, you have a lot more moving parts for IT to have to turn off, if Okay, you will. so, because I've heard some of the price tags on these security audits, and they sound like they're just as much as putting a new ERP system in. Sometimes they are, and that's why, uh, you know, we sc I scratch my head, and I wonder why more people just don't migrate to the cloud and be done with it. Right. And then focus on the root cause. Focus on Dave. Yeah, and, and if you're a majority of companies, and I'm not talking about, I'm, and I'm sure the, you know, let's say the Fortune 50 companies, they probably have pretty complex environments and things that are very unique to them, and they can't really just jump to the cloud. But if you're a middle market company, um, and you should, I would think it'd be pretty easy for them to move to the cloud and not have, and avoid having to bring in expensive uh, consultants to come in and do a bunch of audits. Yeah, I mean, you, you've just said it, and, and um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it baffles me as to why people push back and in moving into the cloud, because what people don't realize is, do you do banking online? Me? Yeah, I do, yeah. of course. Do you do trades? Do you do yeah, your own yeah, trades? I do. Okay. But that's, these owners do the same thing. Right. Do these owners, do you actually collect cash when you, when you interact with your customer or do you get credit cards? I mean, these are the questions they ask the owners. All of those transactions are happening across the cloud. You're okay with that, but yet you get all freaked out because you don't want to store a file in the cloud? Well, I think a lot of people have gotten over that, okay? But a lot of people have. No, yeah, okay. But I think the real argument, though, is you can save some, avoid having to spend a lot of money, too. Yeah, you can. So moving to the cloud is definitely something that, that you can do at a corporate level. Then the last thing in terms of business owning cybersecurity is understanding that Dave doesn't report to IT. Dave reports to you. So if Dave is the one that's going to create a problem, and hackers ta target Dave, Dave has a Facebook page out there, talks about how much he loves his dog, he likes watching cat videos, he's going to Portugal next year, you know, on a river cruise, you know, and it's between this date and that date, and, you know, maybe it's 10 days, maybe it's 7 days, I don't know how anybody does anything longer than like 5 days on a river, but anyway, so all that information is out there, and what hackers are doing now is they're now going to target Dave and Dave's organization, so that when Dave is on vacation, okay, they, they learn what is Dave's authorization level and who's in Dave's reporting, line of reporting, and they'll, when Dave's on vacation, they're going to send emails from Dave. Hey, I'm on vacation. I forgot to pay this bill. Would you please pay this bill? It's $25,000. And by the way, you have a clerk who works for Dave. They're going to do it. And that's how hackers are winning. So you've, you've got to address that. And by the way, that's a control issue. That's, that's not an IT issue. Good point. And, and really what you're getting at here is being diligent. And when you get an email, don't assume that it's from the person it says it's from. Because you don't know how many times I've gotten emails from American Express and or Wells Fargo or whoever and when I really looked at the who was sending it to me it wasn't them but what's, what, what uh, I think people forget is actually I don't need to go click on those emails because I can just go my American Express card has notifications in there and I've got those I can go look on my, on my uh, app on my phone to see if there's a real notification from them so 
I really don't need to be clicking on any emails. And, and even worse, you know, your buddy sends you a funny thing. Hey, click on this. You know what you can do? You can actually go if you look for it on YouTube and go directly to YouTube instead of feeling like you have to click on it. So that's a good point. And your whole point about how they know where you're at. You put on Facebook that, hey, I'm in some Europe or something. They know it's, it's that information's out there. That's that's scary if you think about it. It it is very scary, and it's it's kind of interesting. Um, MIT has already done an impact study on kind of what the Equifax breach could cost Americans, and what's ironic is social engineering, and that's that's what we're talking about is where these hackers go out and look at information on the web about you, and then try to fool you with emails. It's called phishing. You know, they fool you or the people around you with emails. Um, that the information out on Facebook, in Snapchat, in Twitter even, is going to cost you more as a, as a person than the information that was hacked from Equifax. That's kind of scary. It is. It Facebook is. scares me worse than the Equifax hack. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, going back to... Um protecting yourself, right, from these, these issues. Uh, I hear advertisements on TV for, um, you know, antivirus software, put it on your, I've heard one on the radio the other day, some Norton thing, putting on your, put this on your computer to protect yourself. Tell me about that and what, what do you recommend? Okay, so this one is, is kind of easy. Um, based on a variety of studies and also, you know, if you read the news, FBI recently released recommendations for people to no longer use Kaspersky or Avast. Kaspersky is a Russian-owned company. Oh, great. So the Russians... Okay, so wait a minute. You're telling me that the Russians own a anti... What? Anti-virus. Antivirus, right? Well, that's... <laughs> well, and it's even more scary, Bill, because it's not just antivirus on your computer, but Kaspersky sells a series of security products that many of the banks that you and I use, mm -hmm. use. And so the FBI has reached out to these guys and said, hey, you need to cease and desist. And guess what? It has nothing to do with the DNC hack, which if you want to know more about that, I can share. But it wasn't really the Russian government. It was a hacker. But the bottom line is, is that they're worried about Kaspersky's association with companies in Russia. They're primary investors. The companies are owned by mob russian mob clearly i mean there's there's no no conspiracy well, theory so the question is you know is the russian mob getting information from kaspersky which is getting information from you or from your financial institution that's where uh the the fbi is worried and then avast bought uh, avg which is another free antivirus software that many people are running avast is check-based and it's still a little unclear as to how secure that really is. And, you know, no disrespect to the Czech Republic. Beautiful, beautiful country. But, I, you know, I also share that. So then you think about, okay, I've got what's left? McAfee, Norton, Antivirus, Symantec, and stuff like that. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that if you're running in the Windows environment, Windows, Microsoft bundles in Defender. And right now, Defender is updated four times a day, and Defender has been proven to be as effective, if not more effective, than Norton Antivirus 
or uh, McAfee. So why would you buy anything? Just run Defender. And by okay, the way, so I do not own Microsoft stock. I don't get any money from Microsoft. So wh why are you wasting your money? No, good point. So basically, what you're saying is, I got a laptop. It's got Microsoft on it. It's already got some. It's already got Windows Defender. Windows Defender is going to. That's is, correct. Is protecting you probably better than these other ones are doing, and uh, you know it's interesting. The whole the, the, you, you can. It's really simple now, right, to protect yourself. So it what is. you're getting at, I've got the software already on my laptop. Mm -hmm. It's there. If I keep it up to date, right. You're good. I don't do anything stupid, clicking on something I shouldn't be or going to a website and something pops up and I click on something I shouldn't be. And, and I, you know, I, I think people have gotten a little smarter about what not to click on, I think, but it's still out there. What about, okay, so are there certain browsers that are better than others I should be using? Yeah, it's funny that you mention that. Um, right now, it's proven that Google Chrome is probably the safest browser that you can use. And again, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't get any money from Google or anything like that. Google, if you guys remember about eight years ago, Google got hacked, a little bit like uh, Yahoo. And what Google quickly realized is that for them to dominate and continue to dominate in the data gathering businesses, which is what they are, they gather data and they sell data, they sell analytics to people, that the only way that they were gonna stay on top of all of that is they had to be secure and people had to trust them. And so that's why they created you know, Gmail, that's why they have the, the whole uh, suite of, of products to allow you to, if you wanted to get away from Microsoft Office, you could probably use the Google tools. I wouldn't recommend it because it's not compatible, back compatible with Office, and most companies use Office. But they did that, so they've, they've tightened it down, and, and Google Chrome is updated very, very regularly and um, has quite a few uh, tools and features in it so that if you do try to hit a website that is known a known infected website uh, Chrome will let you know and actually in some cases prevent you from from going there okay makes sense because I've been in Google Chrome before where I've gone to a website and uh, it said warning don't go here and, right. and they make it pretty hard for you to get through absolutely now you can get through right but then at that point that's that's your fault Right, so, exactly. It's sort of like, fault. don't go there, and then right. you go. Right. Um, that's kind of, you're, you're basically... So, so how's that an IT problem, by the way? I'm just going to take it back to the beginning of our conversation. Well, so here, here's the question, though. How do, you, how do you get people to change and think, think okay. the right way? Well, I know this sounds a little radical, but you need to hit them at home. And what I mean by that is you need to talk to Dave about the ramifications of all of this for his kids, for his, his wife, for his daughter, for his son. And Dave, let me ask you something. Do you want your daughter to be out there surfing, clicking on links, just unfettered? Or are you going to sit down and talk to your daughter? Are you going to sit down and talk to your son? Are you going to share with your wife, who may actually already know all this, by the way, are you going to sit there and talk to them and teach them what the implications are of just randomly clicking on things. Because by the way, that's really what it boils down to is randomly clicking on things. Okay. So really taking it to a personal level mm -hmm. and so they understand it. Then what they do is they go back to the workplace and they have those same habits. 
Exactly, that and that, that's, our, that's our supposition. And in fact, what's really interesting is that we do that at our company, is that whenever, for example, when the Equifax hack came out, what we did was we pulled together a packet of information that we gave out to our employees to say, this is how you should respond for yourself, for your wife, and for your kids. And we had a training session in our office so that we showed them exactly what steps to go through. And then on top of that, we have webcam covers that we've handed out to all of our employees. And the webcam covers have our logo on it. Now, you might say, okay, that's nice, but why? Well, when we, when we hand out the webcam covers, we do it under the context of this is personal security. So our thought is, a little bit like Pavlov's dog when you ring the bell, every time they open their laptop at home or every time they sit in front of their desktop at home, if they see that webcam cover and they see the logo, they remember, oh, that's right, it's, I need to be secure. Okay, so let's, what if I'm, you know, some, some, right now somebody's probably sitting at home and they've already been hacked. Yes. And their computer's acting all funny and they don't know, what do they do? I mean, they're sitting there at home or they're, or they're a small business and they're sitting there going, I've been hacked and because I forgot to change a printer password or something, what do I do? Well, there's a variety of things that you can do. I mean, the inconvenient thing for you to do is to pick it up and take it into, uh, you know, the computer repair store down the road. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of hard to do when I'll you have a you desktop. Though, some of those places look kind of shady. They do. They do. So, uh, you know, we've come across kind of an interesting on-demand IT support service. Um, it's recently launched uh, very, very not without a whole lot of fanfare. And uh, what they do is they provide on-demand IT support. And what they can do is get into your computer and help you remove this virus or malware or these unwanted pop-ups. So who, who are these people? These guys are Evan, your IT guy. Long name, but Evan, your IT guy.com. So you go, okay. okay, okay, wait a minute now. This, how do I know they're safe? And they're not going to do... Well, so so I've talked to the owners because the first time I heard it, I thought it was almost too good to be true, right? You know, this is on-demand IT support, really, um, and crowdsourced, no less. Uh, they, when they built their platform, you know, back to my, my comment about teaching Dave how to be concerned about cybersecurity, uh, worried about your family. When they built their platform, they built it with their, their wives and daughters in mind. And I'm not trying to be... You know, um, uh, you know, uh, stoke up a, a gender discussion here, but you know, these guys were really worried about their family and family security. So the platform itself is very secure, um, based on what we've seen. I, I agree with that. The other thing is, is that none of the providers can get on the platform without heavy screening. Everything from background checks to credit checks to being, you know, quizzed by a variety of folks to make sure that they know what they're talking about. Um, the transaction is recorded, so if anything goes wrong, um, everybody has a, a record of what happened. And um, so if a provider does do something incorrectly, guess what? The recording goes to the okay, authorities. Okay, so what you're saying is if I've got a, a let's say, a virus problem in, or whatever on my computer, I can go to this evanyouritguy.com. Yes. Um, and um, maybe download the app or do it over my computer or whatever. 
and I can be matched up with a screened, background checked uh, IT professional that is correct. who can uh, who can go into my computer, fix the problem, get out, and that's being recorded during the whole time. So if they do anything weird, you'll see it, and you know who that person is because they've been. You've got their information. That is correct. Right, and they've been screened. They've got. I'm, assu- I'm assuming they probably have ratings too, right? Oh yeah. And you've got yeah, a guy. Yeah, who's, it's, it's a matchmaking you know, platform. So you can. So, yeah. you know, it's a matchmaking platform. So, but if uh, if I get matched up with a guy or, um, uh, or someone who's um, maybe I'm not comfortable with because you can you know, terminate the session and if you uh, went to a rival school or something. Yeah. Or something like go. that. Yeah. So, but but essentially, I can pick the person I want to help me, and they go into my computer, they fix it, they leave. I don't have to go drive into uh, uh, the, the the Geek Squad or some something like that, or the, no. the the Bob's Bob's IT shop in a box down the strip center down there, right? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Interesting concept. I think that'll help a lot of people. Um, and it, but the last question about that is, um, is how much does it cost? It's, it sounds like it's being expensive. Actually, no. In comparison to what I've seen out there and, and the IT support that I got for my business, by the way, I, just to let you know, my business uses Evan, your okay, IT guy. Well, that's a, there's a stamp of approval right there, yeah. the cybersecurity expert. That's who they use. So it's who the experts go to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I think some of my guys uh, bootleg is or bootleg is Evans so, at night anyway. Well, let's so, say I need help, and it takes the guy like 15 minutes to fix it. Yeah. So the the deal that we have, and I think this is just their standard deal. If I remember correctly, for the first 15 minutes, it's not much. It may be forty dollars. Well, that's and not then, bad at all. No. Because no, if I go, no. if I think about the gas and time and effort it takes me to go all the way to the gas station. Or I'm, to, to the, to I'm the, sorry, to the to the, uh, the guy in the box down the strip right. center and wait for him. Take me a couple hours. Probably have right. to leave my laptop there. Go back and pick it up for forty bucks. And they, they could probably these guys can probably fix it in fifteen minutes, right? Uh, usually, the, the truth of the matter is, it's it's you have to think half an hour or less. You know, okay. for most so most maybe laptop, maybe cause, six because in bucks. another life I actually supported laptops. Oh, and you. yeah, so you're yeah. Th- this is why I'm a cybersecurity expert now because I got crazy. Um, the, the, uh, yeah, so our average bill, just to let you know, our average bill with them is about 60 bucks, which okay. is not bad because my average bill before for same types of problems were anywhere between 85 and 125 and now, you know, so, so I'm, I'm coming out way ahead. And by the way, my people are happy cause they don't have to wait. They get online, they get help right there and life is good. Wow. It almost sounds like an ad. Okay. Well, anyway, that's cool. Well, well, Peter, I appreciate you uh, coming down here to uh, uh, visit with us and share, uh, you know, cybersecurity and what we should do. I think um, any final thoughts before we conclude? Yeah, all I can say is just remember, guys, the root cause of all cybersecurity breaches, uh, at least the ones that have made the press in the last five or six months, root cause is always Dave. Dave doesn't work for IT. Dave works for business. So business has to take responsibility for Dave's actions. Good point. And we have Peter Purcell here, um, expert on cybersecurity, talking to us about how businesses and individuals can be protected in this prolific hacking world. Thank you, Peter, and thanks for listening.